Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So Gather, we are in week two of our conversation on the book of Jonah. Uh, I am loving walking through this content. It's been so good uh, for me. I love this book. And so I want to give a little recap of last week, and then we'll kind of zoom in on chapter two and look at what happens in this part of this narrative. So Uh, A little bit of a recap. Most of us know one thing about the book of Jonah. We know about the whale. We know about the huge fish that swallows Jonah. But this whale, this huge fish, is just one character in a larger story. The, The whale isn't the point of the story. It's why this isn't called the book of the whale. It's called the book of Jonah. The whale is just this tiny, uh, this tiny little, uh, portion of the story. Um, and just as a note, um, it's great if you believe this whale existed and Jonah lived inside of a real physical whale. That's awesome. I love that. I am totally open to that. I want that to be true. And also, you don't have to believe that. It's just a small portion of this story. right? Maybe um, you believe that this is, is a story, a narrative of ancient wisdom passed down from generation to generation. And you don't have to believe that this huge fish literally actually existed for this to be a meaningful and a true story. And that's great too. Totally open for that. So I want to go back over the whole narrative of the book of Jonah, this whole big picture, and then we'll zoom in on chapter two. So uh, Jonah was a, a Hebrew prophet and God asked him, God commanded him to go uh, to the city of Nineveh and preach to them. But Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. These are Jonah's enemies. So Jonah, Jonah flees God and heads to the city of Tarshish, which is a really hard word to say over and over and over again. But Jonah is trying to get to Tarshish. So God commands Jonah to go one direction. Jonah flees the opposite direction. And as he's fleeing, he ends up on a boat. He gets thrown off the boat, swallowed by a whale. While Jonah's in the whale, he says a prayer to God, and then eventually Jonah gets vomited back up on shore. God asks Jonah again to go to the city of Nineveh and preach. This time Jonah is obedient because the last time he got thrown off a boat and swallowed by a whale. So this time he goes, he does preach to the city of Nineveh. They all repent and worship God. And then the book ends with Jonah being mad that God would show mercy to his enemies. So it's the story of this disobedient, um, kind of dramatic Hebrew prophet and the mercy of God. And so uh, we're going to look for now at at, at Jonah chapter 2. So Jonah chapter 1 is where Jonah gets asked to go to Nineveh. He flees from God and gets swallowed by a whale. Big, big, uh, really big uh, stuff happening in Jonah chapter two, uh, Jonah chapter one, and then in chapter two is jo- Jonah's prayer to God while he's inside the fish. So we're getting like we're like zoomed all the way into inside the the belly of this uh, huge fish, and we get this prayer from Jonah back to God. And so we're gonna read today the entire chapter. It's only ten verses. It's not that long, but it's the entire chapter of Jonah chapter two. So you've done your Bible reading for today. So let's read this and then we'll get into it. This is what it says. Jonah chapter 2, starting in verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. 
You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, let's get into this, okay? So this prayer in Jonah chapter 2. Uh, it's a nice religious prayer. It's great. I liked reading it out loud. It's beautiful. Um, it, it is written in the form of a prayer of repentance. And it is a nice religious prayer. L last week, I gave you a one-word summary of the events of Jonah chapter 1. I like doing that. It was good for me. And so uh, I thought I would give a, another uh, summary. This is actually a two-word uh, summary. But I thought I would give a, a summary of this prayer in Jonah chapter 2. Here, here's my Here's my summary. This is self-righteous religiosity. Self-righteous religiosity. And religiosity is a real word, and I really like that word, and I was excited to use it. You can look it up if you need to. It's a real word. Uh, but this prayer is self-righteous religiosity. And so if, if you read uh, this prayer on its own, so if you don't know the whole story, if you didn't read chapter 1, or you didn't know that part of the story, you just read chapter 2, um, you would think, wow, this is a great prayer. Jonah really seems to love God, want to be obedient. This is a great prayer. But if you know the story, it reads a little different. So when Jonah says things like in verse 2, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Or verse 4, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. Or verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, or most out of place, what I vowed, I will make good. Right? All that sounds nice coming from a Hebrew prophet if you don't know the story. But in chapter 1, Jonah's super disobedient. He's really off track. He doesn't do anything God asks him to do. He literally runs the opposite direction from God's instruction. And maybe most noteworthy in this entire prayer, easy to skip over, but Jonah never apologizes. He never owns up for anything he did. And in fact, he says in verse 3, You, God, hurled me into the depths. As if this was all God's doing. Jonah takes zero responsibility, no apology. So it's written in this uh, form of repentance. And it's really pretty. It sounds nice. But in the end, it is just self-righteous religiosity. It's, I did what I was supposed to, God, but you hurled me into the depths of the sea, but I'll keep calling to you what I vow I promise to do, but he doesn't do it. And so I, I want to today kind of take a, a, an empathetic approach to this, uh, an empathetic approach to Jonah's self-righteousness, because it's easy to read that and kind of have this realization like, wow, he never apologizes. And 
seems pretty proud of his own actions for a guy who's been so unfaithful. It's easy to read that and think, wow, Jonah's a jerk. What a jerk. It's easy to read it and think that, that Jonah is kind of ridiculous and then in turn place ourselves above him in this kind of condescending, judgmental, self-righteous kind of way. And that's not helpful. So uh, I thought today we could talk for a second about why Jonah would pray a prayer like this. Why? That we could just ask, well, why would he pray this prayer? He's obviously uh, really smart. This prayer is beautiful. It's well-spoken. He's a prophet. He's done a lot of uh, education. Why would he pray this prayer? And maybe as we evaluate his intentions, maybe um, that could inspire some self-reflection instead of self-righteousness. Right? It's the curious faith that we talk about in our, uh, in, our, um, in our confession of faith, that we say we want a curious faith. This is it, that we would say, why? So instead of being judgmental, we get to be curious. Now, I don't know why. I don't know exactly why. So just a quick disclaimer. I actually don't know exactly why Jonah would pray this, but I, I think there's at least three good options. So we're just going to look at three options that I think on just why. But I, I'm hoping that at least in our curiosity, it would inspire some self-reflection. So, so why would Jonah pray this kind of self-righteous prayer? O option one, I think, maybe Jonah is convinced that this is what actually happened. That this is how he remembers it going down. Or maybe he's kind of ignorant to in ignorant in a, in a in a kind way. He just doesn't know. Maybe he's ignorant to his own failures. And maybe he's just quickly reframed the story in a way that he can't see how it actually went. Or a way to think about this is maybe his prayer isn't dishonest. His reality is just distorted. You know, you know what I mean? He's not trying to be dishonest. This is actually how he remembers it going down. A Anne Lamott says, if you're not careful, out of the right speaker of your inner ear will come the endless stream of self-aggrandizement, the recitation of one's specialness, of how much more open and gifted and brilliant and knowing and misunderstood and humble one is. And out of the left speaker will be the songs of self-loathing, the lists of all the things one doesn't do well, of all the mistakes one has made today and over an entire lifetime. You'll hear the doubt, the assertion that everyone of everything that you touch turns bad, and that you don't do relationships well, that you're a fraud and capable of selfless love. You have no talent or insight and on and on and on. The one year, you're special. The left year, you're terrible. It's just hard sometimes to not have a distorted reality. And maybe Jonah's not trying to be dishonest. He just has that right speaker turned up so loud that says, you're special. And you're more humble than anybody is. And no one understands you. Maybe he's that speaker turned up a little louder. And he's just so out of balance that this is how he sees the world. He's not being dishonest. His view of reality is just distorted. And he's reframed the entire experience. Maybe. Or maybe option two. Maybe he's the kind of person that he just can't say he's sorry. Maybe he struggles with that. 
but he just really struggles to get out the words, I am sorry. And one of the reasons that kind of led me to that conclusion, that maybe that's who he is, um, he's a religious leader. He's a prophet. And religious people have the hardest time apologizing. Religious people, we, we are bad at apologizing. I think it might be, I don't know for sure, but I think it might be because they, we feel like uh, we have so much to protect. And when we're really religious, we just feel protected. We, we feel like we have to protect God. And that somehow when we apologize, we're weakening God's position in the world. We're hurting God's reputation if we admit to doing something wrong. But maybe it's most damaging to God's reputation when religious people cause harm and never own up to it. So maybe this is just a classic religious leader move by Jonah. That he's been trained, indoctrinated to never say he's sorry. He does do that classic move here in the prayer. He talks about how bad the circumstances are. It's really bad. I was in the depths of the sea. He talks about how bad it all is, but he just never says, and that was on me. Maybe that's why it comes out as so self-righteous. He just struggles to actually get the words out. I am sorry. Or maybe option three, maybe, just maybe, Jonah thinks this is what God wants from him. That Jonah has this idea of God. And that really what Jonah's doing is he's just trying to please God. He thinks that God wants this posturing. That Jonah edits the story. He gives God the made-for-TV story because he thinks that's what God wants, as if God doesn't already own the director's cut. That maybe Jonah's self-righteousness comes from an idea that God expects you to be a little self-righteous. And that's actually what religious expression looks like. That religious expression looks like self-righteousness. And so Jonah's prayer is rooted in this self-righteous religiosity. And maybe it's because he's rewritten his own story. Maybe he just can't apologize. Maybe he thinks that's what God wants. But for you... Which of these options do you most closely identify with? Do you rewrite your own story? Maybe it's not that you're dishonest. It's just how you actually remember it. Maybe you're not dishonest. Your reality is just a little distorted. Maybe those uh, narratives you hear in speaker, the right ear and the left ear of your special and your terrible, maybe you're just out of balance and your reality is distorted. And we all do this a little bit, which by the way, I think this is why seeing a counselor, therapist is so helpful, just kind of neutral third party to call you back to reality. I wonder if you write your own, rewrite your own story. Maybe you struggle to say you're sorry, like actually out loud say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. I think we're good at acknowledging that situations were bad. Can you imagine that in a conflict with someone you're close to? Just kind of calling out the, the, like, yeah, that was really bad. That was a bad, I had a bad, that was a bad day. That was really bad circumstances. But you just struggle to ever say, and I was wrong, and I'm sorry. 
maybe you need some practice today. Put it back in your common vernacular. I don't know where you are or what you're doing, but maybe you need to repeat after me. Just get in the routine a little bit. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. Maybe you identify with that, or maybe your idea of God leads you to believe that God wants you to be self-righteous. Maybe for you, religious expression has turned into self-righteousness, right? Do you give God and your entire religious expression, do you give the made-for-TV version? Because that's what you think is expected of you. And maybe you could just try being like brutally honest and maybe even a little, dare I say, profane with God this week. That's what the Psalms are, you know, it's just people cussing and screaming at God. We get it in this beautiful poetic way, but mostly they're just cussing and screaming. Maybe you need to have a moment like that with God. We just, uh, you tone down that self-righteousness, what you think God expects from you, and you just go full out honest about what's going on with you. Right? You're allowed to get angry or sad or confused or all of it. You're allowed to get all of it. And so th this prayer, it's really self-righteous, and maybe it's because of one of those options. I think it's helpful to be curious, but either way, in the end, Jonah gets out of the fish. The fish vomits Jonah back to dry land. So in the end, everything works out. And I think we kind of read in that he gets vomited back because of his prayer. We, we read it in as, a, as, a, uh, as causation, but it's really just correlation. But I, I think we want that to be the case. I think we want it to be Jonah said a nice prayer and then he gets back to shore. Everything turns out okay. Because if that formula is how it goes, then it gives us some sense of control over our life, some sense of control when life isn't going how we want it to go. Like if we get it right, if we learn the lesson, then everything is gonna be okay. But the truth is there is no formula. The fish wasn't punishment and it wasn't sent to teach Jonah a lesson. The fish was just protection from the start. Jonah gets thrown in the ocean. He would die without the fish. So the fish snatches him up. And so why did the fish vomit Jonah back to shore? Probably because the fish just, it got back to dry land. It was ready to vomit Jonah. Jonah probably didn't feel very good in the fish's stomach. Nobody talks about that. And I've spent some time in the belly of the whale. And what I wanted was to learn my lesson. Whatever the cosmic lesson was to learn, I wanted to learn the lesson, to check it off the list, and then to move on. And there was a 90-day stretch about four years ago where Katie and I were struggling through infertility. I was on the news picking my dad up from jail. My grandmother passed away and we flooded in Hurricane Harvey. I was in the belly of the whale. And what I wanted was for there to be some lesson to my pain. That if I could just learn what God wanted me to learn, if I could just say the prayer in the right way, then I could check that off the list. I could get through the pain and maybe everything would turn out okay. But the truth is, when you're in the belly of the whale, the only thing left to do is surrender. And Jonah didn't have any control in there. He's on the worst cruise ship of his life. 
He can't steer his way to safety. He can't talk to the fish about getting more comfort. He's totally out of control. He's just along for the ride. And when you're in the belly of the whale, there is no more illusion of control. There's no formula. The only thing left to do is accept. The only thing left is surrender. The only thing that's left is to lose the life you thought you would have, to let it die, to give it up, because it's in the losing that we find. It's in the dying that we rise. So today, if you're in the belly of the whale, hear me today, you are not being punished. You are not being punished. There is not a cosmic lesson that someone is trying to teach you. So just stop trying to decipher the indecipherable. Stop trying to translate the unspeakable pains of life. If you're in the middle of that right now, if you are in the belly of the whale, surrender, accept, let go, and trust today that in your losing, you will find. In your dying, you will rise. May it be so. May it be so. So gather, this is my prayer for you today. Loosen the grip on your life. Open your hands in divine surrender. This is your reality. No more distortion. So say you're sorry and be as honest as you can. The only way out is through. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.